Hello, friends, and welcome once again to the Perfect Bound Podcast. This is a podcast all about anything and everything comic books and comics related, brought to you by the Panel Jumper and Comics Dungeon. My name is Ben, and we have a different kind of episode for you today. On our show, we have the benefit of the comic book retail perspective from Chris and Nicole. So I thought it would be fun and interesting to hang out at Comics Dungeon for a few hours to get a sense of what running a comic book store is like. I showed up on a Wednesday afternoon to hang out with Chris and owner-operator Scott while they handled the New Comic Wednesday crowd and to ask them a few questions about what it's like inside the dungeon on a day-to-day basis. First, I spoke to Scott about buying the store. So did you own a retail store before you bought this joint? No. No, I managed in college uh, a comic store, actually not too far from here. Um, but uh, no, hadn't owned any retail, had worked retail, had worked grocery stores and restaurants, but uh, not retail and uh, learned a whole new life. So why, what prompted you to buy this place? We sold some property at one time and I was kind of um, a uh, kind of a kid in a candy store type thing. I was looking for a place to put it, uh, and uh, wanted wanted my wanted to give a shot at running a business. And comics uh, were a thing I enjoyed, so there you go. <laughs> now the store was across the street. Did you own it when it was over there? Yeah, or? yeah, owned it owned it when it was across the street, which was technically its third location. The first was in the back room of Beauty and the Books on the Ave, oh. um, which is actually. Uh, where I knew about it first. I didn't know it by the comics dungeon. The second location is now Molly Moon's here in Wallingford. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It cleaned up rather nicely. It did. (laughs) It really did. (laughs) So why move it to this current location? Uh, A lot of it was uh, better property, uh, better landlord, uh, more light, um, Mm -hmm. quite frankly. It's uh, a lot nicer, uh, lot nicer place to invite families into the dungeon-esque feeling <laughs> of the previous place was not always the most family-friendly environment. Mm-hmm. Were the the bars on the windows already there? The bars were already there. The, uh, the, the history of this location it was originally a music store and then it became a martial arts store uh, <laughs> and both of them had bars on the windows. One of these days they might come off. We have other projects. Yes. As, as soon as the back room's empty, yeah. the bars will come off. Yeah. Now, you're a owner-operator of a comic book store who also has a regular day job. What's it like balancing those two? Uh, it is. It's, it's a bit of a balance, but actually with, you know, uh, living in this modern world we are, we can communicate through instant messenger and email and kind of stay in touch throughout the day. Uh, the staff knows how to get hold of me if there's an emergency, and my day job's pretty flexible. I can actually get out of there at a reasonable time and still uh, have time a couple of nights a week to be at either one of the stores. Both Chris and Nicole are just amazing managers and uh, really are the face of the stores. A lot of the clientele don't know who I am, and uh, and that's that's great. But. Uh, those who do, that's great too. But uh, but Chris and Nicole are the face. They like just today. Chris is known over half of the people who walk in here. Uh, easily, it's 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 amazing. Chris and Nicole either know you by your box number or by your name. I mean, they spend a lot of time in the in, in the store and talking with the with the customers. So I think it's uh, it's just part of that relationship that they build. Speaking of Nicole, she manages Corner Comics over in Kirkland, which you recently assumed control of. What led to that decision? 
a couple different things. Uh, one, it was a good opportunity uh, to, to expand the business and try to scale the business, you know, just uh, scale big numbers and all that. Hopefully get some operational efficiencies out of it. But the other part is it actually was a good place for us to move some of the nonprofits operations. Uh, there was a back of, the, back of the house there that allowed us to move a lot of the operations over there. So, so what's the square footage wise, which store's bigger? They are almost exactly the same oh, really? size total, uh, but Corner Comics has about half the retail space. Ah, so more place to hide things. Exactly. <laughs> more places to hide things that are not my garage. <laughs> and soon Scott was off helping a customer that had just walked in. Hey, how you doing? One thing I noticed while hanging out is that Chris and Scott will acknowledge everyone who walks in regardless of whether or not they are a familiar face. But since today was Wednesday, a lot of the clientele were repeat customers. I asked Chris how many customers he knew by name. See, so part of my problem is I actually will generally remember uh, a number before a name in some cases, which isn't always great. Regardless of whether or not you know their names, you seem to know a lot of your customers and they in turn you know, they hang out here and they'll chat. Oh, and it's just frequency. You yeah. know, if somebody's coming in four times a month, it's you so you you know, you start to recognize or you recognize their taste and stuff mm -hmm. like that. At this point we just signed up uh, box number a thousand and eighty one. Now that doesn't mean that they're all full. Um, we retire boxes, so uh, if, if box uh, 510 decides to leave, uh, that box just never gets reassigned. It's empty, like we were okay. in Jersey. Um, right. And uh, but if they decide to come back, it's ready for them. Right. You know. Um, so I bet you we are only at really not quite 400 active accounts, subscriptions. Um, but we do have a lot of regular people who don't have accounts. Mm -hmm. yeah, so, yep, you just start to, start to remember everybody as they come in, hopefully. <laughs> Sometimes I have problems where it's just like, okay, here's three youngish 20-something-year-old skinny white men. <laughs> And in a comic book store? <laughs> and it's just sort of like, oh, man. Okay, I know I've got one of these names right, but am I applying it to the right face? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. That's where it gets appreciated when some people have interesting uh, interesting names or if they do something to single themselves out immediately. Hopefully in the positive. But you, you've worked in a comic book store in one form or another since you were an early teenager, right? Yeah, I was crunching some of those numbers recently. Uh, it is, uh, as of 2019, it'll be a full 25 years in comic retail. Um, I started when I was 13 at Rocket Comics. Do you Have you seen the comics retail industry change in that time, or is it still basically the same routine after 25 years? Yeah. Um, to both, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a it's a routine that forms very quickly around the new trends. Um, but uh, yeah, the industry changes quite a bit. Um, sometimes it's been interesting because I've maybe done interviews or something, made a prediction, and then I can actually see five years down. I'm like, hey, yeah. Because uh, roughly when Joss Whedon started doing the Buffy the Vampire Slayer comics, um, I forget who it was, but they did an interview with me, and, and the main focal point of the interview was like, yeah, the, the medium is, it, it should be um, welcoming to everybody and trying to expand its base of female demographics. 
and that's probably uh, unless Marvel, DC, or Disney and Time Warner are, are stupid, that's what they'll do. And then as the year started to roll by, it started to gain its momentum, and you can see that being an important trend. Can you read comics for pleasure these days? And do you like what's your what's your favorite comic to read now that? You don't feel compelled to read right. out of obligation. Right. Um, yes, I can, but I, there is a heavy level of burnout, which we've talked about in different podcasts. Yeah. Um, the mainstream superhero stuff is where the most burnout is. I can still enjoy, though, like uh, the um, Immortal Hulk is really great, and I look forward to reading that every issue. So I still feel that. Um, but in general... It's reading a bunch of manga for me right now. That yeah. is the part that is not quite an obligation, um, other than it does, I can now push it in the store. <laughs> but I find it is some of the only times I find myself smiling when I read. Because <laughs> um, I read it on the bus to and fro uh, to the store. And um, yeah, more often than not, I can catch myself like really smiling at the thing I'm reading. And it's all like in the manga right now. So. Um, specifically, there's like a, a book called Otherworldly uh, Isekaya Nobu, and then there's a book called um, Sorry for My Familiar, and uh, I they just so so well done. <laughs> they make me happy. It brings the joy back into it the joy back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is the uh, so I take it the the large manga section here is all you're doing? Uh, that was uh, Nicole and Leanne and my effort. Okay. Um, and uh, it's it's also the, our bane. Uh, they have a sickness. Yes, uh, we don't have space for everything. Do you do coordinate on what to put in the store, or do you basically recommend it? And and is, does Scott give you any pushback on certain things? All of the above. Um, <laughs> I mean, there are times where it's like if there's something I'm like I kind of want to order like twenty or thirty copies of this twenty-five dollar hardcover. I, I will run that by him just, yeah. to, just to make sure we know what's going on. Um, but then there's just a bunch of other ones that are just kind of like, yeah, we all agree Immortal Hulk is really good. And uh, I think for the last convention, uh, Scott wanted to order like 10 copies. I'm like, ooh, are you sure? And it's just like, yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Didn't sell but one at the convention. Yeah. That's okay. So, got wrong there, but then we sold out in the store in the <laughs> next week. Exactly. So. Yeah. All right. You can't predict anything. So. Um, but yeah, no. It's, uh, sometimes it's just like we're going to try one thing to sample it and see what the trend is. And uh, there was a book recently that, um, what was that one? Oh, I, I was going to tell you about, there's a book um, called The Bridge, which is about the building of the New York Bridge. Right. And um, I tried it, and it started to move on a cycle, and it started to pick up again, and now we can't order it. But we can order it from its publisher, and oh, so good. we're going to try and increase that one. You know, so some of it's just a complete. You, you never know, and you just give it a shot, yeah. one by one, and keep on trying. Every Thursday, I am taking a look at what the full previous week sales were, and we have a formula um, that uh, kind of compiles all that information. And then I need to compare it against what I already have in stock. And uh, then I basically prioritize it. And I also have a budget that's set in place by that uh, query that we've got. Um, and I need to try and try and stick to that budget or under it as much as I can. Does Scott set the budget? Uh, the budget is kind of set by um, the query has a, it, it's pretty much half of the profit 
of each book goes towards the budget. Okay. Right. Um, that doesn't add up to too much, especially if we discount too hard, <laughs> you know. Um, and it's it's supposed to just kind of keep us in line, and it does. It, it helps a lot in that respect. Um, and then if I need to order past that budget, I just kind of save that information, and it kind of goes into a deficit. And then I need to prioritize through the deficit. So what that does help us do is figure out, like, what do we really care about? Right. You know? And generally, what trends towards the top of the list is all-ages books um, or books that we personally we push a lot um, and we have another query that shows us our top 100 sales so we look at that trend and I compare that um, so I, I place a order on Thursday but I also place another order on Saturday and um, but every day we take um, uh, customers may need special orders so I'm yeah. also placing those all the time and then um, Sometimes I just notice, oh, I completely forgot about this book. Just when it off my radar. When it comes to ordering, are you ordering in a vacuum, or do you know what's trending nationally? Do you know what other stores are ordering? Um, I can compare with some things online. There's a website called um, Comicron, and they give a breakdown of sales, but those are like from the month previously. Um, generally, I just have to see if I, if I hear anything on news sites the week ahead of time, then I can see if I could move on it. Um, an instance of that was there's a book that came out this week called Cannonball, and I saw two or three reviews all pop up at the same time. So that's enough to let me know that people are going to talk about it. So then I check, like, how many did I order? I only ordered two, so let's at least get another two or three so on top of that. part of your job is also monitoring like comic book websites and seeing what's trending pretty much yeah yeah um it's sometimes the only way to know if something if i should know about a thing um another example of that was i was reading the end of year best of end of year lists for uh 2018 and there's a book from a publisher that we order from uh black mask that i saw and i don't even remember ever seeing it offered and it came in like the first week of january of 2018 so there's a book that for an entire year i missed but i was able to spot it on one of these sites but still nobody asked for it nobody asked for it so i don't feel bad about that yeah but then i got it in and it's a great book so i felt bad about that <laughs> and now i i keep a couple copies of it in at all times so a lot of it is just finding that information trying to hear from the grapevine like what's worth what's worth having i do another order on saturday but we also do um publisher specific orders and those just kind of happen whenever we need them to so uh, pretty soon here we have to do an order with um uh abrams publishing because one of our educators wants uh like a dozen or more copies of uh the book kindred so we'll do that but we also need to get a scholastic order going and then we also order directly from random house and um there's a couple small press people i order from and i'm overdue to do that on a couple of them so so aside from diamond how many other places do you have to order order from Ooh. Uh, like are you filling out 10 to 15 different order forms every week no not quite that much i say every week uh, <clears throat> you know we're maybe doing two to three publishers max um, but it's just it's cycling throughout the month. Right. But like so, just a quick count. Like we're ordering from Scholastic, 
We're ordering from First Second. We're ordering from Random House. We're ordering from Abrams. Uh, I order from Emerald Distro, which is a local distributor. The other two are uh, were Silver Sprocket and TKO. Right. So, um, and I was counting those, and I just lost track of the count. I think that's seven. But then we also do orders from suppliers. Uh, we order from BCW, and we also order like our magic cards and stuff from another supplier. Um, so. It's a balance of getting them all in, because once you bring them in, only our software only has a thing to bring in diamond invoices automatically. Um, so a lot of it's manual inventory counting and bringing in and adjusting the numbers in the system. Are you the only one in the store responsible for ordering? Uh, not really. For the main orders, yes. Um, it used to be shared with Nicole. Um, but then um, Leanne does some reorders for customers and stuff like that. Scott does the bulk of the reorders for suppliers and for a lot of the the publishers, like for a second and all that. But we collate the information. He'll check in with me on what we need and, and all that. Um, so it's a, it's a little bit shared, but the main diamond pushes me. So all of that also doesn't take into account that there's the big monthly order. And uh, all the diamond, the initial order is, is what we call it. And so we get the diamond catalog every month, and I've got to fill through that the course of three to four weeks and submit a giant order at the end. And so that's me trying to figure out all the trends two months ahead of time. <laughs> That takes a little bit of a constant, uh, it's always constantly running in the background. Right. Um, I have a due date in two days, so that means it's at the top of my priority listing right now. So you're trying to figure out what books are going to sell, like this, today we're at the end of April, so you're trying to figure out what books are going to sell like in June? Yep. June, July, and that's all the books from all the publishers. Yeah. All the trade paperbacks as well. Um, so it's trying to think ahead of time, trying to second-guess my pre-order customers, just trying to see, like, does this thing look interesting enough? Yeah. And also trying to separate my own biases while doing that. <laughs> Must be hard. It can be at times. Yeah. <laughs> but if I know a thing can actually sell, then it's easier to do that. Then there's the secondary question that was like, well, I know some people like this, but it doesn't seem to sell. So do I bother? Right. How much of your business are pre-sales or subscribers like this? Hmm, I haven't looked at those numbers in a while. Right now it's about 70%. Yeah, like almost everybody who's come in has had a box. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wednesday's the day for that. <laughs> There's a handful of people towards opening that generally don't. They are the bane of my existence because I'm never here for them, and there are a lot of speculators. And so they destroy shelf copies um, oh. without pre ordering them. Um, and so, for example, we just had a customer saying, like, oh, yeah, it looks like I missed the Naomi reprints. I had a handful of those, and three or four customers at the beginning just bought all the copies up, and they bought extra copies. Just because they think they're going to be worth something. Yes, exactly. You know, so it's just like that's uh, Nicole had the same problem this morning, too. Um, and it's a difficult line for us because at what point do you tell a customer they can't buy a thing? Right. Because we still need to make the money. Yeah. Um, and generally, once somebody wants to try to buy more than two copies and I don't have much, that's when I'll step in and be like, hey, can you leave some for other people? Um, 
and that's the problem. Everybody this morning bought just two, but <laughs> it's like that could have been spread out a little bit better, you know. Or I could have ordered more, but the prediction is difficult. Exactly. Yeah. Famously, Diamond doesn't allow you to return stuff. Yay. What happens with all your overstock? Uh, so some of it goes into our back issue bins and um, becomes kind of stays in the main stock. Um, but what we don't need, what's you know, we only need one or two copies of a single issue in the bins. And if I had twenty, you know, the other eighteen, they leave the store and eventually they'll become part of either the convention inventory or the quarter bins. And that's where you just kind of you, you eat it, you know. You just got to get rid of it. Because some stores, I'm sure, they just hold on to stuff. Mm -hmm. And you'll drown if you just if you don't have the space. Because, you know, people generally don't come looking for a random comic issue from two and a half, three years ago or whatever. You never know when they will. Yeah. Right. That's the problem. <laughs> you know, somebody can come in today and ask for Howard to duck number 13. And, uh, but I don't know if I should bet on that. Right. And some things we accept taking that risk. We will always keep most Batman back issues. But Booster Gold and Blue Beetle and uh, Excalibur, like, do we keep those around? Is it worth keeping around? You know, so, or should you just suck it up and get the money that you can and blow it out? And generally, that's the way we want to go. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so it also becomes an issue of tightening the belt on the orders. And unless I feel very confident, I, I trim the shelf copies down. It's better to sell out than, yeah. than to be left with leftovers. The grocery stores, you always call it spoilage. Yeah. Right? It's like if it sits on the shelf too long, it spoils. Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing with uh, periodicals. You know, it's like... They're really hot this week. Oh, you can kind of sell them next I, week, I have some and cash. then you can't. Um, I want to get somebody comes in and wants something, and you don't have it, and you offer to order, what's the what's the difference between people who will have you order something versus them saying, oh, I'll just get it from Amazon? Uh, it's probably 50-50. Yeah. Um, Actually, well, maybe it's 33-33, uh, and it's like, I'll order it online. Uh, go ahead and order it, or yeah, never mind. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about vintage comics. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of stores are uh, might decide not to carry them because it's uh, it's a lot of space, a lot of square footage. And when we were talking about vintage comics, we're talking about like golden age, silver age. Yeah, and and bronze age, just anything anything that's you know published years before now, um, maintaining a, a stock like here's a run of Batman from the past ten to fifteen years, you know. Um, so a lot of sources don't bother. Mm -hmm. They they don't want to put the time or the effort in. It's a lot of maintenance. But the thing is sometimes you will have a dead business day or a week where nothing good came in on the new shipment mm -hmm. or very minimal. And so sometimes having just some of that, that stuff on hand, we had a consignment uh, collection recently with a lot of Silver Age Marvel. And um, it's just a lot of people love to see that stuff. They, they love to upgrade their copies or start their collections early. And so it, it brings in more interest. Yeah. And then s clearly, without it, uh, the store would be closed. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's fifteen to twenty percent of our total sales, okay. and uh, it's our high margin stuff. So, uh, yeah, we would be definitely be closed without our vintage comics. Mm -hmm. um, and now we have, besides just buying collections that come in off the street, we also get our donations. Right. So that helps supplement, and uh, it you know we just try to 
a little bit goes a long way. You know, there was a really nice donation recently uh, with a lot of uh, Silver Age Justice League. And we just don't see that too often. So it's like, that's great. You know, that helps us out a lot. What's the grant process for educators? Well, uh, every quarter we open up a grant period for educators to uh, apply. Uh, we actually have an online form, uh, assuming our website continues to not crash, uh, <laughs> that they can uh, fill out and apply uh, and get up to a $300 grant uh, every quarter to get uh, graphic novels for their uh, library uh, or classroom. Do they get to pick which graphic novels to buy? Completely. Uh, they, they Basically, they get a gift certificate to come in and spend. Okay, cool. And uh, on occasion, we get uh, donations from other publishers, and uh, if it's appropriate for the age group, uh, we just add that onto their grant. And if we don't have the books we're looking for, we'll do a special order. We've had some educators, they want 25 copies of, uh, you know, Kindred or something like that, some special graphic novel, so we'll just do a direct order. Free Comic Book Day is coming up. Yes. Yeah, how, how big of an event for, for you all is that? Free Comic Book Day is huge. Uh, I think last year we saw 1,200 people through the door. As compared to what's your average through a, the door? A, re a really good big day for us is 100. Okay. So it's it literally 12 times as busy. So it's it's, it's huge. It's it's our biggest single day of sales. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, some good stuff. And it's uh yeah it's uh, just a kind of a fun community event. So. How long has it been going on? Seventeen years, about sixteen, seventeen years. Seventeen sounds right. Yeah, seventeen years. Was it always? Publishers make comics specifically for Free Comic Book Day, or has that evolved over time? No, it always has been that. It's uh, the number of publishers participating has grown dramatically over the years, and the number of shops participating. Um, I think it was, wasn't even until like five years ago that all the Seattle shops uh, really? participated in it. So, um, so it's a voluntary thing. Uh, it is a voluntary thing, and each shop does something different. You yes. know, you could have a creator come in. Some people uh, will blow their overstock out. Um, on that, as, as Chris was mentioning, but um, are you planning on doing that? Uh, we're definitely going to have a sale. We have our what we call the day after sale on Sunday uh, for back issues. But uh, during the sale uh, on, or on Saturday during Free Comic Book Day, it's going to be ten percent off the entire store. Makes it easy for everyone to do the math. So right. It falls on uh, Star Wars Day this year, May the fourth. Are you going to do anything tying into that? Yeah. Other than probably selling some Star Wars comics, uh, we're not. We we are going to have some cosplayers here, uh, but they will not be Star Wars. It will be Doctor Doom and X twenty three, I think. And so, what's their purpose? Uh, just hang out and take pictures? Just, just uh, to uh, yeah, expand the experience for the for the for the customers and uh, the kids really love the photo ops and yeah, all that. it makes their day. The day after uh, is our big day after sale, and. Um, Basically, all back issues, if they are $5 or less, they drop to $1. If they're 10 or less, they drop to $2. If they're over 10, they're 50% off. And then there's a whole bunch of other things. And if you go to our Facebook page, <laughs> you can see what those things are. All right. Yes. Cool. Well, again, thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks again to Scott and Chris for letting me hang out with them during business hours to discover what it's like inside Comics Dungeon. 
And that's our show. The Perfect Bomb Podcast is brought to you by the Panel Jumpers. See everything Cole Hornaday and I do at thepaneljumper.com, as well as Comics Dungeon at 319 Northeast 45th Street in beautiful downtown Wallingford. And don't forget to stop by during free comic book day beginning at 10 a.m. on Saturday, May 4th. You can also find them 24 hours a day, seven days a week at comicsdungeon.com. Subscribe to the show on iTunes or however you get your podcasts at perfectboundpodcast.com. Send us an email at perfectboundpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye.